Israel enters the midst of the sea, crosses safely, and then Pharaoh's forces follow and are drowned. It is this very scene that Benjamin Franklin selected as inspiration for the image to embody the United States. Welcome to Bible 365, Episode 21, American Exodus, Franklin, Jefferson, and the Seal of the United States. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. On July 2nd, 1776, the Continental Congress approved the resolution of Richard Henry Lee declaring the 13 colonies to be free and independent states. John Adams, the man who had done more than anyone to make that vote a reality, was ecstatic and he wrote to his wife Abigail as follows. The second day of July 1776 will be the most memorable epoch in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God. Adams then added a reflection on all that freedom would require, reflecting that, You will think me transported with enthusiasm, but I am not. I am well aware of the toil and blood and treasure that it will cost us to maintain this declaration and support and defend these states. Yet through all the gloom I can see the rays of ravishing light and glory. I can see that the end is more than worth all the means, and that posterity will triumph in that day's transaction, even although we should rue it, which I trust in God, we shall not. Adams, in the end, would ultimately learn that it would be not July 2nd, but rather July 4th, the day boldly emblazoned on Jefferson's declaration that would be celebrated as Independence Day. And it would be on July 4th that he would join a little-known committee that would ultimately embody the biblical impact on America and the very nature of freedom itself. It was on the 4th of July, 1776, immediately after approving the Declaration of Independence, that the Continental Congress advanced this resolution, that Dr. Franklin, Mr. J. Adams, and Mr. Jefferson be a committee to bring in a device for a seal for the United States of America. These founders were asked, in other words, to conceive of an image that would capture their nascent nation. And of the three founders, two put forward suggested seals that incorporated profoundly biblical images, both from precisely where we are now in our examination of the Exodus story. Pharaoh, his heart hardened by divine intervention, assembles his army and chases after Israel. As they bear down and all appears lost for the newly freed slaves, the command to Moses introduces one of the most famous miracles in the Bible. Exodus 14.16 And thou, lift up thy staff, and stretch out thy hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go into the midst of the sea on dry ground. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall go in after them, and I shall be honored through Pharaoh and all his host, and his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And so it was. Israel enters the midst of the sea, crosses safely, and then Pharaoh's forces follow and are drowned. It is this very scene that Benjamin Franklin selected as inspiration for the image to embody the United States. According to his own notes, Franklin suggested as the national seal, a picture of, quote, Moses standing on the shore and extending his hand over the sea, thereby causing the same to overwhelm Pharaoh, who was sitting in an open chariot, a crown on his head and a sword in his hand, 
rays from a pillar of fire in the clouds reaching to Moses to express that he acts by command of the deity. So Franklin wrote, and underneath the image Franklin added, would appear the following motto, rebellion to tyrants, obedience to God. Jefferson, in contrast, proposed a different image, one which appears in the Bible just a little bit earlier, describing Israel's initial journey into the desert immediately after departing Egypt. Exodus 13, 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might go by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night departed not from before the people. Something about this scene captured Jefferson's imagination. Thus, on August 14th, Adams reported from his committee to Abigail that, quote, Mr. Jefferson proposed the children of Israel in the wilderness, led by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Those who have written on the suggestions of this congressional committee tend to equate the proposals of Franklin and Jefferson, as both are taken from the Bible. But in fact, however, the messages behind these two images are very different. With the biblical tale of the splitting of the sea, Franklin selected a story from Scripture in which the Almighty intervenes into the natural order and thereby grants salvation to his people. Franklin chose to emphasize the divine might that is made manifest against the tyranny of Pharaoh. And this, of course, is the central theme of Moses and Israel's exultant song after the splitting of the sea, the song which takes up chapter 15. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Jefferson, in contrast, is arguing that the seal of this new country should celebrate freedom as a journey, as a process. Even more fascinating is the fact that we have two different themes from Exodus that are embodied in two different holiday names, which, as we have previously seen, are linked to the Israelite celebration of the Exodus. The first is Pesach commonly, though I think incorrectly, translated as Passover. Whatever it actually means, we can all agree that the name seeks to capture the miraculous wonders of the Almighty during the plague of the firstborn. But then there is the other name that we have been discussing, Chag Hamatzot, the festival of unleavened bread, which makes reference to the Israelites rushing out of Egypt into the wilderness. Exodus 12.34 And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And they baked unleavened loaves of the dough which they brought forth out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not tarry. This is Jefferson's image, the journey of a people into the wilderness. At the moment of American freedom, Jefferson selected not an image of triumph, but of a sojourn. The meaning, perhaps, is that freedom is not one moment. It is a long voyage. The image reflects, in the felicitous phrase of Yuval Levin, the long road to liberty. And here, the unleavened bread that has already allowed us to learn so much offers, perhaps, another rich load of interpretation. Matzah, Rabbi Yobin Nun once argued, is bread at the beginning of the process of its production. Flour baked immediately after water has been added to it, whereas leavened bread is dough that has been allowed to rise before it is baked, 
and achieve thereby an ultimate end. Matzah, Rabbi Ben Nun writes, is affiliated with the Festival of Freedom because it reminds us that the exodus from Egypt is only the beginning of the redemption process. Matzah serves as the symbol that the exodus is only the beginning of a journey, a long, hard road through the desert and through the entire story of our people, with the final chapter yet to come. One of my favorite stories concerns Lieutenant General Mark W. Clark, commander of the United States 5th Army, who addressed Jewish soldiers attending a Seder in Naples, Italy, in April 1944. Clark said as follows, quote, Tonight you are eating unleavened bread just as your forebears ate unleavened bread. Because the exodus came so quickly, the dough had no time to rise. There was a time of unleavened bread in this war, the time when it looked as though we might not have time to rise, time to raise an army and equip it, time to stop the onrush of a Germany that has already risen. But the bread has begun to rise. It started at Alamein. It was rising higher when the Fifth Army invaded Italy. It is reaching the top of the pan, and soon the time will come when it will spread out and the victory will be ours. The bread of freedom is the bread that has not yet begun to rise. The matzah reminds us that the political freedom achieved from Egypt is a beginning, not an end. That it was the start of the Jewish journey that is our history, but that the journey is not yet complete that it has a long and winding road, communicates to us that liberation from physical fetters is only the beginning of the process of genuine freedom. One of my favorite moments in the film, The Ten Commandments, is when all Israel gathers at the gates of Egypt as deliverance has dawned. Joshua says, Moses, the people are assembled. And Charlton Heston replies, Then let us go forth to the mountain of God, that he may write his commandments in our minds and upon our hearts forever. True freedom, in other words, has a purpose, an end goal. Truly becoming free involves utilizing our liberty to become who God has called us to be. And as Israel journeys toward its destination at Sinai, this point is made ever more clear. First, when the Israelites seek water and a bitter well is wondrously made sweet, we are suddenly informed in Exodus of the Almighty's instruction, chapter 15, verse 26. And he said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his eyes, and wilt give air to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, all of the illnesses that I have placed upon Egypt I will not place upon thee, for I am the Lord thy healer. And then, as Israel cries out for food and the miraculous manna descends from the sky. Israel is ordered not to gather this sustenance on the seventh day and to trust that sufficient food will be granted the day before. Exodus 16.29 See that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he giveth you on this day the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. Thus, as they journey towards Sinai, they learn about commandments, statutes, Sabbath. This is the path to freedom. The counterintuitive message of the Exodus tale is that through law, through the teachings of Sinai, true freedom is ultimately acquired. One of the best explanations that I have seen for why this would be so comes from an interpreter of Thomas Aquinas, Servi Pincares, as summarized by the Catholic theologian George Weigel who writes as follows, quote, 
It's a bit, Pinkera says, like learning to play a musical instrument. Anyone can bang away on a piano, but that is to make noise, not music, and it's a barbaric, not humanistic expression of freedom. At first, learning to play the piano is a matter of some drudgery, as we master exercises that seem like a constraint, a burden. But as our mastery grows, we discover a new, richer dimension of freedom. We can play the music we like. We can even create new music on our own. Freedom, in other words, is a matter of gradually acquiring the capacity to choose the good and to do what we choose with perfection. Law, Weigel continues, is thus intertwined with freedom. Law can educate us in freedom. Law is not a work of heteronymous, external imposition, but a work of wisdom, and good law facilitates our achievement of the human goods that we instinctively seek because of who we are and what we are meant to be as human beings, end quote. This is, I think, the import of Jefferson's suggested image, the journey from Egypt, the journey through the wilderness, the journey guided by God, the journey that is not only freedom from tyranny, but also a freedom that grows as Israel reaches Sinai itself. And this understanding of liberty is captured by how Jews celebrate the festival of freedom, by gathering as a family, performing the yearly rituals in which we have been commanded. For it is these institutions, the obligations and responsibilities involved in the law and in the family, that are truly part and parcel of what Levin has called the long road to liberty. Strikingly, while the Declaration's approval on the 4th of July is celebrated throughout the land, the tale of the seal, which is a 4th of July story all its own, has been largely forgotten. The historian Michael Meyerson utilized Google Books to search every biography of Thomas Jefferson to see how many made mention of this story. He writes that, quote, of the more than 200 Jefferson biographies, only 12 described his great seal proposal, end quote. Though in the end, the Congress adopted a different seal for the United States. July 4th deserves to be affiliated with the tale of the biblical images put forward by the founders. That it is not reflects perhaps how distant much of American culture has become from the Bible. For all my jokes about the Ten Commandments movie, one of the reasons for my deep affection for the film is that it highlights how once the culture was so bound up with Hebrew scripture that the book of Exodus could inspire a biblical blockbuster, and also why one of our own goals in Bible 365 is to ponder how America can re-engage the Bible once again. As I noted once in a commentary column, the Ten Commandments was actually a remake, because in 1923, DeMille had already made a silent version of the Exodus story. Among his extras to play members of the people of Israel, DeMille had hired 250 Orthodox Jewish immigrants. One witness from 1923 described how, when the actual liberation scene was filmed, quote, these Jews streamed out of the Great Gates with tears running down their cheeks, end quote. Another witness remembered an elderly woman who was suddenly overcome with emotion and fell to her knees and shook a fist at the props at the gates of Pharaoh. During the scene depicting the splitting of the sea, the actor playing Moses stood on a rock overlooking the Pacific Ocean. An overcast sky interfered with the light that DeMille sought. 
Then suddenly, the clouds cleared, and a radiance was bestowed on Moses' face. A spectator recalled that, quote, A gasp went through the crowd. The faces of men and women reflected this light. Tears trembled on wrinkled cheeks, sobs from husky throats. For many, the world had moved back 3,000 years, and they stood once more on the shores of the Red Sea, viewing once more the good omen of deliverance. End quote. The writer Marshall Weiss, to whom I'm indebted for assembling all of these accounts, notes in his article about them that many of these extras didn't speak English, but for them, this moment was incredibly real, or as he puts it, quote, during those moments, the American dream and their heritage converged, end quote. The story of the proposed seals of the United States is a reminder of how the Bible inspired America, how the founders' original notion of freedom has been to a great extent forgotten, and why it is so important for us as Americans to discover the wisdom of the Bible once again. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off.